This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 268. We are talking about the greatest foundations to build a healthy body and mind with Dr. Stephen Cabral, Doctor of Naturopathy. Uh, he is the founder of Equilife uh, and a fantastic integrative clinic over in the States uh, called the Integrative Health Practitioner Institute. It's been practicing for almost 20 years and his whole reason for, you know, being in integrative health is for the huge amounts of challenges he experienced in his late teenage years. And I think as someone who's also hit rock bottom with my own health, uh, with the mold saga, I really have a lot of compassion and admiration for people who are able to turn a very difficult time in their own lives into a way of helping many, many people. And that is certainly the gift that Stephen brings uh, to people all around the world, thanks to online clinics these days. Uh, He is on the show today with me talking about the biggest impacts we can have uh, on everything from digestive health, thyroid, metabolic health, uh, and, and immune system health with some little things that we can do and then a few more nerdy off-the-beaten-track things. We talk about testing, we talk about food. It's a really powerful, simple yet inspiring discussion uh, where a lot of gold is shared on uh, how we can focus on uh, the things that we want to bring into our beautiful bodies this year. So I'm going to jump into that show in just a little minute, but I want to share some very exciting news that we have a major sponsor on the show this year. Uh, With great thanks, I welcome Oz Climate onto the show as our major sponsor. I know so many of you that appreciated the 10% off a couple of times last year when they sponsored the show, their amazing uh, um, air filters and dehumidifiers, and I'm absolutely thrilled to bring them back uh, as our major sponsor this year so that you can have 10% off all year round. You would have heard me talk about the benefits of air filtration and dehumidification. Uh, certainly dehumidification, if you live somewhere in a humid climate, it's essential to stop mold from growing, growing inside your home. Obviously, it can't prevent the damage that's caused by leaks and water damage and, and roof issues. But in a humid environment and to stop mold from proliferating any further while you do your remediating and other work that might be needed. I'm a huge fan of dehumidifiers for keeping your indoor space healthy. Uh, And then, of course, air filtration. It's been talked about a lot lately. I think if you live in the city, if you live in agricultural areas where a lot of spraying's done, and if you live in industrial areas, it's very important to have an air filter in the mix. And so thank you, Oz Climate, for joining us as our major sponsor this year. And you have 10% off all year round with the code LOWTOXLIFE for the Aussies listening to the show. Uh, I'd also like to um, thank Coolsy for being our sponsor over December, January. 
uh, you have 50% off the tent that comes with a cool, coolsy purchase and free shipping across Australia with the code LOWTOX. Uh, and Coolsy is this incredible little like immediate direct air conditioning solution where you're not cooling down and, and it's not costing you an absolute ton to cool down the whole house, but you're actually cooling down your sleep space, your workspace, uh, or while you're watching TV on a hot summer's night. And it is such a little power packed machine. So I would definitely go check out Coolsy, which is C-O-O-L-Z-Y.com. Uh, you will save 75% on cooling costs. Uh, it's very eco-friendly compared to a split system or a ducted air conditioning system and really fantastic if you work in a stuffy little office at home. Uh, it's awesome, really, really great, uh, great product, and I've been um, thrilled to be talking about them. You might have heard me interview James, the founder, who's an incredible inventor, last year on the podcast in November. So I would definitely suggest you head back and listen to Professor James Trevelyan. Um, it was a really great show. And then I'm excited to just introduce one more quick offer to you through Butcher Crowd. Butchercrowd.com.au are offering new customers who the chance to top up their uh, box subscription for three months with an additional $100 worth of free meat and seafood in your small subscription for three months or an extra $170 worth of extra meat and seafood in your large box subscription for three months. It is for new customers only. If you have made the resolution to purchase better, ethical, well-sourced, traceable, uh, and regenerative meat and seafood products um, this year, then Butcher Crowd is helping you do that. Uh, your code is LOWTOXLIFE. And again, it's just a reminder, it's for new customers only. It's a fantastic business. Really love what they're doing to make uh, ethical meat accessible for a lot more people. Uh, I am a big fan of allowing and the space for everybody to eat whichever way works best for them. Uh, we know that we can't remove animals from healthy systems. Uh, regeneration happens with animals and plants being farmed together uh, if we're going to have any chance of rebuilding our soil. And so to create businesses like this that help people who do feel better eating uh, animal and seafood proteins um, do it in the most ethical, regenerative way possible. So thank you, Butcher Crab, for joining us. Okay, so here we are heading into the second show of the year with Dr. Stephen Cabral. I definitely think uh, his book, The Rain Barrel Effect, is a great read if you're feeling a bit lost about, oh gosh, I don't even know what to do anymore. Everything's so complicated. I follow all these doctors on Instagram, so many different messages. The Rain Barrel Effect will set you straight and we do uh, talk about it briefly on the show, but I just wanted to give a special shout out to the book because I think it's a fantastic read as well, which you can grab on his website. Everything is on the show notes as usual. Enjoy today's show and look forward to hearing how you went with it. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. And how are you? I'm really well. And I'm very much looking forward to this uh, deep dive into health. We haven't done a general health uh, show in actually quite a while, always very niche and specialized. Uh, and I, I know that you have particular areas you like to support people, but uh, I think starting out a new year, it's always really good to look at what the big picture is and how we can make the biggest gains in changing the public health picture uh, for the most people out there. So 
I always like to find out a little bit about why my guests came to be doing what they do today. And I know you've shared uh, on your um, practitioner website um, your own call to arms in your own personal life that perhaps steered you in this direction. Would you be able to share that with us today? Because uh, I think it gives such a great context for why you're so passionate about um, naturopathic medicine now. Absolutely be happy to. And I think a lot of people that go into the natural health-based field have had some type of issue when they were a child or a young adult that said, okay, um, I need to figure this out on my own because my current doctors or specialists, they don't necessarily know how to help me get well. And so you really only have two directions. One is into just absolute despair. And I was there. And the other is to be absolutely stubborn and say, we're going to figure this out. And so I've had a little bit of both. And at 17, I had that mystery-based illness where my immune system was shutting down and I was, I had flu-like symptoms all day. I had insomnia all night. Uh, I had just brain fog, fatigue, digestive issues, swollen glands over my whole body, but doctors couldn't really pin down what it was. And it took about two years. After two years, I was diagnosed with Addison's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, type two diabetes, uh, what's called myalgic encephalomyelitis and so many others. And the reason was, was that what happens is your body starts to cascade after a while into just unchecked inflammation. And it just moves from one area of dysfunction to the next area of dysfunction. And um, although your genetics have a, a say in what's going to go wrong, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's your destiny. And I realized that, that after I met with about 50 different doctors and specialists, I started to go to more natural health practitioners, which I didn't even know about before. And then I started to do at-home functional medicine testing. And I realized that I had candida overgrowth. I had SIBO. Uh, I had H. pylori. I had really bad allergies to certain foods as well as environmental allergies. I had mercury toxicity. And then I had so many adrenal-based issues that all of this led to my body essentially where I was today. And, and I call it kind of filling up the rain barrel, right? You overflow it and then you're in that position. So what I realized then over years was that you can actually reverse this process. So I work with many great doctors and practitioners and especially my mentor, Dr. Pete. Eventually, it took a little bit of time because we didn't know things, this is 20 years ago. Um, I finally was able to overcome all of those things and I'm disease-free today. Amazing. And in on your own journey, what do you feel were some of the biggest kickers that moved you into health? So I think like a lot of us and... You know, a lot of us come from a, you know, conventional medicine, a pill for every ill background. And I'm actually, I'm thankful for conventional medicine, meaning like if someone uh, has a blood pressure of like 200 over 130, okay, get them on blood pressure medication right away. So they don't have a stroke, but that's great for acute based care when someone's life is on the line, or we go to the emergency room or whatever it might be. But if you have a chronic based condition, the most that you can hope for through conventional medicine is to palliate your symptoms. So all they could do for me when I had Addison's disease and, and uh, rheumatoid arthritis and all these different things was just put me on a handful of medication to try to alleviate some of those symptoms. But at no point was that ever going to fix the underlying root causes. And I didn't know what underlying root causes were in the first place. I just thought it was genetics. So what I realized was that if you're able to run labs beyond blood work, like looking at... Um, 
what's called a, a organic acids test or candida metabolic vitamins test to look for candida and bacteria and mitochondrial issues, all these things. Okay. Then you can figure that out. And if you can run your vitamins and mineral levels, well, then you can figure out if you're like, I was, I was B6 deficient, B12 deficient. Okay. I needed those B5 deficient. So what I, what I, that was a turning point for me. Cause I realized, Oh, there's one more form of medicine that I didn't even know about. Then there's more labs I can run. I, I had food sensitivities to almonds and chicken. Well, we think like, oh, those are healthy foods. Well, not if you have creating inflammation every time you eat them. So it was a whole new world that it opened my eyes to. And once I learned about it, then I couldn't help, but just want to study more and learn more about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious with the almonds and chicken, was that temporary while you were in an inflammatory cascade? Yes, it was. So um, the only one I've never overcome as they say. So I was allergic to almost everything or food sensitivity. And, and this is an IgG sensitivity. So this is mean that it creates inflammation in your body 24 to 72 hours after you eat it. So it doesn't give you hives right away or brain fog or headache right away. Um, what it does, it creates inflammation from a delayed response. So IgE or IgA would be right away. You get a brain fog, headache, accelerated heart rate. So you can kind of figure that out what half hour to an hour after eating the food. But an IgG is, it's a delayed reaction. So you have IgA, IgA, and then typically IgMs kind of in between, and then you have IgG. Well, I showed up on over 30 and it was only 150 food test. And so what it showed though, is that I had massive intestinal permeability. So every time I would eat proteins from these foods, even healthy foods would seep through my gut. It would reactivate my immune system. So that's why I was always inflamed every time I ate, even though healthy foods, I was trying to eat healthy. Um, and so I was, help, I was basically a sensitive, not a true allergy where you would go into anaphylaxis, but I was sensitive to all these foods. So, and you can't eliminate 30, 50 foods. So you just have to begin to fix your gut, seal it. And now the only one today I'm still sensitive to um, is actually kidney beans. And it's funny because I've never really eaten kidney beans. It's just a cross reaction. So I'm happy to give that one up. <laughs> That's good. It's nice when you can give up something that you didn't really enjoy in the first place. Yes, exactly. Um, okay. So public health is, uh, I-, I would say a crisis, uh, these days. Um, if you look at all the public health stats and you can feel free to share some of the major ones in the U S we're very similar here. We're like a mini America in terms of, uh, the stats in Australia, but children's health is suffering too. Like, you know, at first we saw all the adults getting the heart disease and the cancer rates going up. But when we see diabetes appearing in children, rheumatoid arthritis appearing in children, I think that really has helped a lot more people wake up to the fact that there is something fundamentally wrong with the way we are doing things right now, right? 100%. Yeah. And then we work, so our practice um, since 2019 has been virtual. So we work with people all over the world. Uh, and that includes, uh, well, includes everywhere all over the world. So how I look at it is this, is that uh, I have a protocol it's called the de-stress protocol. It's diet, exercise, stress reduction, toxin removal, rest, emotional balance, scientifically-based supplements, and success mindset. So what I've realized is that we're doing worse in all of those categories more than ever before. And so it's not one thing. I would love to point to one thing. I mean, the one thing that gets exponentially worse or two things that gets exponentially worse every year is food and environmental toxins. So the food becomes more processed. We have more hydrogenated oils in everything, and we have more processed flowers in everything. 
So when we look at this, well, we're looking at soy and corn and all these genetically modified things, plus the oils that weren't meant to be uh, hydrogenated. You're not meant to take a vegetable and turn it into an oil. That's, that's not natural. Um, and then the other part of it is that when I wrote my book three years ago, there were 77,000 man-made toxins in the United States, about 8,000 in Europe. Europe does a much better job at keeping toxins out of Europe. Um, it's, they're still letting more in, but now the United States is up to over 140,000. That's in only three years. And they're all sorts of different hormone disruptors and cancer causing, uh, agents like plastics and pesticides and phthalates and sodium laurel sulfate. And these things people don't know about, but it's in your cleaning products. It's in your detergents. It causes skin rashes on people without them even knowing about it. Uh, and the other thing is it causes infertility. And we see infertility on the rise. We see birth defects on the rise. And, and we can link them back to these particular environmental toxins. So in my opinion, uh, environmental toxins is the biggest issue that nobody's talking about. And I know, of course, you are, uh, which is great. But not a lot of people are, that's for sure. And the people that hear about it, they're like, oh, I don't necessarily believe it. Um, and it's difficult. You know, it's difficult to get them to understand that all the information is there for them to, to look at. Mm. I, I was uh, in, a, in a cab getting into the city last night, actually. I was chatting to the taxi driver about how a massive downside of coming out of lockdown, we were in lockdown for three and a half months just recently, uh, has been the traffic. And I said to him casually, and then I thought about it afterwards, it was amazing. It was like I could get around my city in 10 minutes everywhere all of a sudden again, like when I first started driving 27 years ago. And, uh, and then I thought that in itself is an illustration of how many more cars and how much more pollution is in the air in our city space just here in Sydney just from thinking back to how much easier it was to move around and how many less cars there were then to how many there are now. And that's just one example. Never mind the dodgy buildings, the um, horrific building materials that are used to keep everything super cheap and raise VOCs sky high, particulate matter sky high. Um, it's, it doesn't take rocket science to take a little minute to reflect, right? hundred percent. And, and that's a, a good point that you brought up too. It's, it's your office, it's your home and it's the outside environment. And we really need to look at that. We may not have as much control over our outside environment, uh, but we can do our best to really clean up our home and our office if, if we have a potential to do it. And I always like people to at least go for the low hanging fruit of what they use the most in their house. So that means clean air, clean water, clean food. And if you can do that, well, then you're doing such a great job. And then you can move to bath products and cooking cookware. And, and that's going to help with the majority. So right now, when I run my own environmental toxicity test, which is a simple urine test, anybody can run so they can actually see if they have a lot of these toxins, which you know come from the environment and, and our foods and all that. Stephen, can I, can I, I, come I up, ask, is that, the, is that different to the organic acid test? Yes, it is. So it's yes. one it's of the other test, ones, but it's different. It's one of the other ones from Great Plains. It's from Great Plains. That's correct. Yep. Awesome. Okay, great. Because I know people come and yeah. ask me afterwards. So good to good to get it straight. Yeah, mm -hmm. 
if you have links, that's great. If not, we can give you links. I'm trying yeah, to think of, of the exact name for it, but we'll, we'll send it over. Mm-hmm. But it's, I believe it's the environmental toxicity test. There's also a mycotoxins test for mold, uh, which is nice too. Those are all um, urine or blood drop. So none of them are, are blood draw. But um, the only one that I show up for, for environmental toxicity is exhaust fumes. So living in the city, when I walk outside, I'm constantly exposed to train, bus, and car exhaust fumes. Now I keep it minimal on my lab because I, I do functional medicine lab, I do functional medicine detoxes and these types of things. But um, that's why we can't necessarily control our entire environment. But if we keep everything else clean, we're going to be doing fine. Nice. I, I really like that because we can become very stressed on the road to trying to be perfect and trying to. And, you know, fine, if you want a sea change or a tree change and move to the country, you've also got to watch out for agricultural chemicals, obviously. But um, I think we can actually do ourselves more of a disservice in stressing out about perfection than actually getting a few great runs on the board. Yeah, you're 100% correct. It is stress is probably more dangerous, not than all of them, that's for sure. But stress is one of the biggest dangers, obviously, that lowers our immune system, weakens our body, disrupts our sleep, disrupts our digestion. So yeah, that's a big one. And I always tell people, you know, if you can be 80% in all of those 80 areas, diet, exercise, stress reduction, tox removal, rest, emotional balance, supplements, the success mindset, then you don't need to be 100% in anything. It's the people who need to be 100% in detox or 100% in diet because they're zero in exercise and there's zero in stress reduction. And so, you know, you have to be that much better. So I'd, I'd rather be, you know, pretty good, you know, get a B in all of them, uh, rather than have to get a pluses in a couple to try to keep up with the others. So, and then, you know, there are things that are very important, meaning like there's a food list, at least in the United States. And I'd love to hear about it overseas too. But, um, you know, in the U S it's called the clean 15 and the dirty dozen and the dirty dozen are the 12 most chemically sprayed fruits and vegetables on the planet, at least in the United States. And those ones should never be eaten unless eaten organic. So you just cross those 12 off because it's not worth it. You don't get more benefits than all the pesticides you're taking in, which we know could cause cancer. Because we know that if you want to cause cancer in a lab, you actually give them a specific pesticide and it causes cancer. And Monsanto just actually had to pay it was an insane amount of money, over $100 million to a family that unfortunately these two boys and his wife are going to lose the father because he's dying of cancer because he was not given the proper hazmat material to spray uh, the weed killer around uh, the property. So, you know, that's, that's what I recommend. And then if you need to save a little bit of money for organic, the clean 15, at least in the United States, those can be chosen non-organic if you need to, to save some money because they typically... Um, they're not heavily sprayed or you can peel it, right? You can peel the outside of a banana and then you don't have the inside uh, sprayed. So yeah, those are tips that we try to give people to just live a more normal, you know, balanced life. Yeah, nice. And for the Aussie listeners, uh, I had Dr. Liza Oates on the show a few months ago now who gave us the Australian lowdown. It's not exactly the same as the Clean 15 Dirty Dozen. Uh, There are a few overlaps, though, the green leafies, the herbs, the berries, um, uh, and the peelables are the ones that you can go non-organic pretty confidently, but as well as asparagus, which I always think is um, an interesting one. But um, yeah, I I agree. And I think uh, in my first book, I remember 
Like what, what's going to be the easiest way to get people to feel like they can do something. And like, I think looking at your three or four highest volume family foods is one of the, the best things you can do and just switch those out. Like if it's high volume in your house, everyone chows down on it all the time, make those organic, then that can be a really amazing feeling that you're doing something. I think that's a great tip. hundred percent that and a good quality water filter so that you know that you're not getting the chlorine and the fluoride from the water. And I mean, it's always a pop-up once a year. Oh, this town ended up having lead in their water, right? Or pharmaceuticals in their water. You just don't want that. And you just never know until it's too late. So I think a water filter, not only for your drinking water, but also use it for your coffee, for your tea, for making rice, for making whatever it is, because that gets absorbed into whatever it is that you're going to be consuming. And then uh, the last part is use a shower filter and use a bath filter because you're still going to be breathing in all of the chlorine vapors. um, And that goes directly into your lungs and then directly into your bloodstream. So it's not good for you uh, or your children or yourself when you're taking a bath that it also gets absorbed through the skin. So those are, you know, the clean 15, dirty dozen, the water filters, those are kind of the, the easy ones, straightforward if possible. And I always tell people too, you know, there's debates on frozen vegetables and frozen fruit versus fresh vegetables, fresh fruit. If you can get local organic from a local farmer's market in season, phenomenal. But the nice thing is by getting some frozen, it's typically a little less expensive. It's picked ripe. So you're actually getting a lot of the nutrition and you're missing out on some of the enzymes. Yes. But it's a lot easier for a lot of families to just heat up some frozen or throw it in a smoothie, um, then to always have to be stressed again about trying to find, you know, organic vegetables and fruit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think being realistic about the fact that there are people who don't live right next to a farmer's market or, uh, or the price is just out of the reach um, to dis- to um, exclude them from the conversation altogether makes no sense. Everyone needs to have something they can feel like ah, I'm improving things. That's great, you know, because that's good for our mental health and then that's good for our motivation. And then we're looking for the next thing we can improve. That's how it should be, like a little step ladder. So you're just taking your first step, you can take another. And remember, like, even for someone like you or me, there's still other levels that we can get to. It's just, if we decide to take it to the next level, okay, we decide to do that. And I kind of do, you know, every quarter I'll add one more thing in. Like, so I try not to use like any plastic bags. So I'm always, I've got just a little tote. Okay. It's a reusable bag. So now I'm using less plastic and it doesn't necessarily hurt me, but it hurts the environment. So we're doing less of that. And we're always trying to add more things in, but not overwhelm what you can possibly do. And I, I have two daughters, they're seven and nine years old. So we've been trying to teach them these things, my wife and I, since they were young. So they kind of get it. It'll be easier for them, the next generation, because I never learned these things when I was younger because nobody was really talking about them, right? It's just like, there were no podcasts. There was no YouTube. Families didn't know. Communities didn't know. I was, you know, I was drinking Kool-Aid when I was younger and eating (laughs) all sorts of little snacks and processed food. And so it's just, luckily we have more information now, as long as we can act on it. Uh, it's a little bit easier. And one thing that I've noticed though, when I was over in Australia, I was teaching a seminar over there about a year ago. And now it's, it's been, a more, I guess it, you know, it's time been longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's sure. It was in, uh, it was actually in March of 2020. So 18 months ago or so more than that. Um, it's crazy that it really had time has flied, but um, it was, it was difficult in Australia because a lot of things were imported. 
And so some of the things have to be frozen because you can't necessarily get like a lot. I was, I was actually surprised. You can get a lot of fresh fish. And, um, and that's one thing that I noticed too. I guess maybe it depends on where you are in Australia. It does, yeah. Uh, but I was, I was kind of like Sydney and North and, and a lot of it was imported, which, um, you know, which is fine. You, again, you do the best that you can. Yeah, that's exactly right. And now I wanted to talk about metabolic health because obviously a lot of these environmental toxins, food toxins uh, are impacting our metabolic and endocrine health. Uh, and they're huge in the resilience, immune, healthy weight, uh, reducing overall risk factors for disease. It's big, right? So um, people find it hard even seeing naturopaths, we often get put on a ton of supplements to try and put out fires or, you know, increase this lever or decrease that lever. But I feel like root cause is a little bit trickier when it comes to metabolic endocrine health. Like where do we look to focus? Uh, can you talk us through a bit of an overview uh, there and, and where we might start digging? Yeah, hundred percent. So um, I actually just did a show on this, like the three main reasons someone may, uh, their metabolism may slow down over time and they start to gain weight more easily, retain more water and find it more challenging to keep the weight off that they used to be able to in the past. So, but overall metabolism is actually just the speed and movements and heat within the body. So it's almost like the thermogenic based effect. It's not just about weight gain and weight loss, but it's a more intricate system that has to do with uh, most of the hormones in your body. So for example, our practice is about 70%, 75% women. And the number one reasons we see are hormone disruption. So we see estrogen dominance, which is basically, uh, usually most women have normal estrogen, even during that luteal phase, the last two weeks of their cycle, they may get symptoms the seven days or so before their period begins. Um, and that a lot of that is estrogen dominance for the most part, but it's estrogen is usually normal at that time. It's just progesterone so low. And that happens because of stress and fight and flight inflammation and toxicity. And what happens is cortisol in the beginning goes high. And so they feel like they have lots of energy that can get everything done. And then all of a sudden it starts to crash over time and they wake up and they have a little bit more groggy. They have a little bit more brain fog, a little bit more low mood and irritable and feelings of overwhelm. And then they can't sleep well at night because their body's not moving during the day and they're not producing enough melatonin at night. And eventually what happens is thyroid begins to slow. So their TSH goes from a one or 1 1.5 to now over two, right? Because their thyroid now is suffering because of chronically elevated levels of stress and cortisol, which slows thyroid hormone. So now they have thinner skin, more wrinkles, drier skin, uh, thinner hair, outside of the eyebrows begin to thin, more weight gain, a little bit of skin rash or kind of like a blotching on the skin, uh, more water retention, lower mood, inflammation, brain fog. And again, we see this every day in our practice. And it's predictable for how the body begins to break down. So our job, uh, and again, you can run at an at-home lab called the Stress Hormones Mood and Metabolism Lab. It's a blood spot and saliva lab. And what you look at are all those parameters to say, okay, am I estrogen dominant? No, that's not it. Okay. Am I high testosterone as a woman? Okay. That's not it. Am I low cortisol in the morning and high cortisol at night? Maybe, or am I low thyroid or is my blood sugar imbalanced? So when you look at that, you can see all the different dysfunctions and then you don't need to work on everything. You can simply begin to pinpoint what the underlying root cause is to that lowered metabolic rate. And again, sometimes it's inflammation dealing with gut issues or heavy metals or any number of things, but 
uh, we typically start with the hormones and we'll move to the gut if we, or do the gut at the same time as well. Mm -hmm. Great comprehensive overview. And can you talk to us about why having good metabolic health is more important than ever? So metabolic health is not just about being able to eat more calories without gaining weight. Like it's not just about that. It's actually being able to improve overall circulation. So if you have cold hands and feet, that's low metabolic health. It really is because you're having a higher fight or flight stress-based response because the more stressed you are, and again, you might not feel it in terms of uh, like relationships, job, uh, family, like your life, it can actually be internal. So it can be inflammation because of viruses, heavy metals, uh, hormone dysfunction, toxins, et cetera. So there are multiple ways to become uh, inflamed and stressed. And so then the blood can't flow as much to the capillaries in your hands and your feet, because that's the last point that it goes to, right? They're much smaller. And if they're inflamed, then they're basically squeezed tight and the blood can't flow down to them. Um, so it's about the body in terms of metabolic health, burning calories. It's also in terms of circulation. It's in terms of also sleep and mood, because if you are stressed, what happens is cortisol and melatonin are in an inverse ratio. So if you're stressed at night, then what happens, you can't turn your mind off, then you don't produce enough melatonin. If you don't produce enough melatonin, you can't fall asleep and stay asleep, which means you're not going to get enough deep REM, uh, deep sleep or REM sleep to actually repair the body. So you start to age faster. Then your blood sugar starts to creep up in the morning. You're not burning body fat overnight, right? So it's a vicious cycle. Then you wake up and you're in a lower mood because you're tired. You're more irritable because you're tired. You're feeling overwhelmed. And again, it's just this vicious cycle. It all has an underlying root cause. Again, your medical doctor is not going to be able to know this because it's not what they specialize in. They specialize in looking at your blood work. And if something's off, they prescribe a medication. And again, I'm not against MDs. I have many colleagues that are MDs. It's just a totally different world, right? It's just two different worlds. One is looking at underlying root cause and the other is uh, medicating disease symptoms. And in some cases, you don't die. So that, that's very important, obviously, right? So we need both, but I just invite everyone to have a medical doctor along with some type of integrative health practitioner so that you can get the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, and you gave a bit of a laundry list of uh, horrific things that can happen to us um, in probably uh, the middle age, really. Um, and someone's listening to this and they're like, oh my gosh, my, hair's, my skin's thinning, my hair's getting thinner. We're like, what do I do? Not everybody can just jump in and see a practitioner this week, this month. You know, it's Christmas, New Year, a lot of holidays as this goes live. Um, what do you think some of the things people can do right now without even seeing somebody that are going to start making a difference? Do you feel like working on stress is one of the biggest? You know, I, I do, but it's so difficult to say, I'm going to do one thing. Cause yeah. then again, you're going to get an A plus on one yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. not going to be hitting the others. And so it's almost like the, the TV show that used to be on during the day called the biggest loser that, you know, they help people lose weight at a rapid rate, but it was a 100% regain in weight a year after the show. And the reason is to lose that weight, the way that they were doing it was Women were eating a thousand calories. Men were only eating 1400 and they were doing six to eight hours of exercise and sauna a day. That is unsustainable, right? So we can work on all these things and stress is absolutely one of the first places we should look. But here's the thing. A lot of people can't make meditation work. They can't make, like, how do you reduce stress? 
we would probably already try to do it. So I think that's a part of it. And it's more of a longer term approach. So I like to work in things like binaural beats and meditation. But what I need to do is get someone to sleep at a normal bedtime and actually stay asleep. So they're rejuvenating. Then I need to get good nutrition in their body and they probably have low digestion. So I'm going to give them good whole food nutrition and probably like low dose nutritional supplements to start to fill up the gaps where they're at. And then I'm definitely going to do a functional medicine detox to begin to empty that rain barrel. So if someone can't lab test, I'm basically doing 21 day functional medicine detox, maintain with low level daily activated methylated B vitamin, which helps with the stress, helps with energy, uh, make sure they're getting to sleep. And then after that, okay, they're kind of stabilized. Now we need to work on those because the root cause didn't necessarily go away yet. If you have candida overgrowth or you have SIBO, even de-stressing isn't going to get rid of candida overgrowth or parasites or H. pylori. So eventually we need to get to the root cause, but at least now you have a little bit more energy. You're sleeping, you're in a better mood. You can kind of get those 10,000 steps walking in per day. Okay. Now let's take it to the next level. That's, that's a one way, one approach. And that works really well. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, now you've mentioned SIBO and H. pylori a couple of times. So I feel like we need to go there. Um, what, how do we know that these are started? Because they would creep up, right? They would both be pathologies that would grow over time rather than just one day you're unwell and boom. Well, uh, in, a, in a way, yeah. So candida and SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, are basically imbalances with the natural yeast and natural bacteria in the 21 feet or so of small intestine uh, that you have in your body. Now they can grow outside of that. They can grow in the colon as well. But what happens is if someone takes antibiotics, you can get SIBO and candida overgrowth the week after you stop the antibiotics. Because what happens is the antibiotics are killing the bad bacteria, but they're also killing the good bacteria. So now there's space in the intestines and that allows the yeast to begin to overgrow, creating candida overgrowth because doctors don't give you a nice statin or some other type of, you know, fungal based drug along with that. That's just not what they've been taught to do. Uh, and then H pylori can come from, uh, food poisoning. So you can, you can eat, get it at a salad bar. You can get it from undercooked meat and you can get parasites from eating sushi. And about 25% of the world has a parasite and doesn't even know it. So now the symptoms though, would get worse over time. So you get it. And then what happens is the imbalance grows, the imbalance grows. Now you start to feel a little bit more distension, a little bit more gas, a little bit more bloating, maybe constipation or loose stool or alternating. And then you're saying, wow, what's going on here? Now I'm retaining water. Now I'm gaining weight. I feel more inflamed and it just kind of starts to cascade. So for us, and you kind of pointed it out earlier, uh, we look at two things. If we can only look at two things, we look at stress and we look at gut function. Because if you're eating, you can eat the best foods in the world, kind of like what I was trying to do earlier as a, as a young 20 year old, uh, but I wasn't getting better. That's because I couldn't absorb all the good nutrients because I had candida overgrowth. I had H. pylori, uh, which is a bacterial infection in your stomach. And I had SIBO. The only thing I didn't have was parasites. And so Hooray. no matter, <laughs> you know, exactly. No matter what I did, I wasn't going to get better. And, and I couldn't eat enough good food because I couldn't absorb it because I was so inflamed. So that's kind of why in the beginning, nutritional supplements are more important. And then once you're balanced in the long run, they're less important because now you can absorb more of the good nutrition and whole food that you're eating. Yeah. So just kind of like in the uh, conventional model of sometimes needing to take a medication for your SOS game, the, the short term, uh, high dose of, of lots of supplements can sometimes be a really great stopgap at the start of a journey 
and then be weaned off as you get better and better. Well, if you think about it, the longer you've gone, the more of a push you need to get back into balance. So yes, you need more in the beginning because your body's so far out of balance. So it's kind of like if a woman has estrogen dominance, we could say, sure, um, you can eat cruciferous vegetables. Uh, and that would be great. And we want you to broccoli, cauliflower, bok choy, Brussels sprouts. But if you're not, if you're, if you have digestive issues, you can have lots of gas. You can have a lot of bloating. People are going to want to do that. And you would need to eat like eight cups a day to get enough of sulfur to actually block well, they get to the D I M from that and the I three C, which are extracts of broccoli. Right. So it's like, we want that. We want to get there, but in the beginning to help with estrogen dominance, you may need to take a product like estrogen balance, or you might need more B vitamins until you can start to get more stomach acid and then be able to break down the proteins that you're eating or the nuts and seeds that you're eating if you're on a vegan-based diet. So, you know, it's always about balance. Uh, that's what it is. And in the beginning, if you're really imbalanced, yeah, you need, you need a bigger push. But the nice thing is most protocols aren't more than 12 to 16 weeks. So there's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel, like our CBO protocol for the gut. And then you begin to wean off and, and if you look at it, how can you get rid of candida overgrowth or um, SIBO or H. pylori or parasites without either using a medication or using herbals, right? So you have to choose one or the other. So choose the medication or choose the herbals because eating a good diet is not going to do it. You need cloves, you need thyme, you need oregano, you need uh, black walnut hull. So those things have been proven to kill the gut bugs. And then after that, of course, you don't need to take them your whole life. After three months, you wean off and hopefully your guts rebalance, which in most cases it is. Mm, amazing. Uh, and so I, I want to ask about the diet piece because a lot of people eat a lot of different ways and um, a lot of people also struggle to figure out what is actually healthy these days. Uh, I know, you know, I have a girlfriend who's vegan who seems to thrive on her vegan diet. I try that and absolutely not. And I just need steak and a salad. And that is my healthiest plate. And, and how do we find peace in a time where there seems to still be this proliferation of diet wars and, uh, and doctors online, you know, fighting with each other about which is the best diet. Meanwhile, everyone just ends up more confused do you have any advice for people who are uh, trying to, to find that for themselves? Yeah, hundred percent. And there'll never be an end to this because a lot of it is dogma and marketing around whatever someone is doing. And, and I just don't believe in that. And I'm actually, it's, it's not, in my opinion, it's not ethical of a lot of doctors to be, to pr be promoting these things online, but actually I don't think they have bad intentions. I think that they tried it themselves. They got great results. So they feel like they should share with others, but it's very dangerous. And the reason is that many of these things are great in the short term, but extremely detrimental in the long term. So I'm talking about very low carb diets. I'm talking about carnivore diets. I'm talking about keto-based diets. Those are always dangerous in the long term. And we know that because again, if you're a clinician and you're lab testing, which again, and not a lot of these MDs are actually lab testing thyroid. They're not lab testing cortisol. They're not lab testing vitamins and minerals. And a lot of these carnivore and keto people, what you'll actually see, and again, I go to conferences with these people. They're good people. But at the conference, they're not eating carnivore. They're not eating keto. And I'm like, I want to say to them, you can't be sharing this online if you're not actually doing it yourself. And now the biggest proponents of the carnivore diet, one of them, and you would know their names, but it's not my job to, to call people out, 
One of them is eating rice and honey. Okay. That's their safe carbs, they call it, but somehow now carbs are okay. And the other is eating sweet potatoes, maple syrup, and uh, I think yogurt was in there. Okay. So now it's like, those are okay. It's kind of like conventional medicine saying, oh, we don't believe in supplements. Okay. We do believe in vitamin D. Okay. We do believe in omega-3 now. Okay. We do. And it's like, yeah, yeah, every year. Well, listen, like my mentor taught me many years ago that Ayurvedic medicine has already figured all of this out 6,000 years ago. Yeah. I was going to ask you about Ayurvedics and the influence on your practice. Well, that's everything is viewed. So I, I read scientific literature and research every single day but it is viewed through the long-term 6,000-year lens of Ayurveda. So there is no one human diet. And that's so that's very difficult for people to understand, but I can make it very easy. And it's this, we already know the longest lived people in the world eat the predominance of their diet from fruits and vegetables. Okay. If you are someone that needs to be on a lower carbohydrate diet, not no carbs, not super low, but just lower carbohydrates because of your unique body type, which is more the endomorph or cough of body type. Okay. You're going to eat most of those seven to nine cups from vegetables. Okay. So they're high nutrient, low caloric density, and you might only have one cup of blueberries a day. Okay. So that's, that's your fruit. You get lots of antioxidants from those blues, but someone else a vata body type, thinner joints, thin calves, they, they, you know, they lose weight without even trying. Well, they're going to have more of their diet, most likely from root vegetables, like sweet potatoes, purple potatoes, and fruit, and maybe less of the leafy greens, which they have a little bit more difficult time digesting. But the human diet predominantly, if you want to see the longest lived people and you want to see the best research, it's high antioxidants. Now, again, I just did a show on this. You're only getting the antioxidants from fruits and vegetables predominantly. Meat, fish, eggs, dairy, grains, uh, fats, they're not really on there. And I'm not saying not to eat those. I eat them myself. I've gone vegan multiple times, just like you. It did not work for my body. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to eat two pounds of meat every single day. That's, that's not a longevity-based diet as well. So what I try to just share with people is that you're going to, you're going to have a plan more customized to you and you'll be able to figure it out based on your, you know, your carb type. But, uh, for the most part, again, normal human diet, fruits, vegetables, proteins, healthy fats, especially olives or olive oil and avocados to monounsaturated fats that you can't really dispute. And it's a much healthier way of, of living and eating and, uh, it's much nicer because you don't need to count calories as well. Yes, this is the thing, right? And so how, how do we navigate ourselves away from caloric um, restriction and this calories in, calories out? Is it about tuning more into our body types? The, the biggest thing is, is getting the body balanced first. So most people, they think that they should be on a super low carb diet. And that's because they eat carbs right now and they gain weight. Well, their body's inflamed. They have dysregulated blood sugar. They have insulin insensitivity, desensitivity, low thyroid, high cortisol at night, and estrogen dominance. So when you eat carbs, you just hold on all the water, right? You start to gain weight. And the problem is you'll never be able to eat carbs again unless you actually fix the stress hormones, sex hormones, and the gut. Now, if you fix those and then you gradually introduce these, all of a sudden you can start eating these foods again, right? It's, it's like you could eat them maybe 10 years ago to a, to a degree. Again, everybody's degree is different. I know for sure that some people can eat 200 plus carbs, grams of carbohydrates a day. 
Some people never do well with more than 80 or 100. That's okay. Like that, that's fine. But everybody needs them. You certainly shouldn't be below 50 or 25. That's going to be too low because what happens is not eating any carbohydrates throws off your leptin and ghrelin. Those are your hunger hormones, right? That's what keeps it balanced. It's going to throw off your gut bacteria. The only thing that feeds the gut bacteria is carbohydrates and fiber. And so people are not looking at the long-term detrimental consequences in order to gain short-term results. I like the short-term results, but I also want to make sure that they can keep these results for life with a healthy plan. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you should mention leptin there. I had mold illness really, really badly about five years ago um, and kind of still recovering. I mean, that 80% better to like getting back to 100, which is always, of course, the longest journey. Um, But something that I had to do when I was still in the moldy environment was to really cut every carb, like, because the mold wanted it, it wanted to feed on it. And I, my leptin then went sky high. Uh, And I think you've pinpointed one of the reasons why a lot of people uh, end up with that picture is actually because of carbohydrate starvation, which can be helping one thing at the time in an SOS, but you need to look at the long-term plan to bring the body back to balance. 100%. And so we'll do a lower carb diet for somewhere between six and 12 weeks maximum, a very low carb for never more than 21 days. Low carb would mean just vegetables um, for more than 21 days, because then your thyroid is going to plummet. Uh, and this is mainly women. This is not, it doesn't, unfortunately, it doesn't affect men as much. And a lot of men are giving the advice. Uh, and unfortunately, they're giving it to both men and women. And they don't realize that in a, in a clinical practice, if you're testing, you would see the men are, seem to be doing okay. But the women whose job is to literally carry on life and carry on life only if their body's not super stressed, well, they're the ones that suffer. And so that's why I don't like to see this information being disseminated. Um, so yes, uh, there's a certain period of time. And then, but you should be able to eradicate the candida, the SIBO, the mold in about 12 weeks period of time. And there's, there is still an immune uh, rebalancing after that, but you've eradicated uh, just as what you were speaking about before. And now you can start to ramp back into a more well-balanced nutrition plan. Yeah, absolutely. Now you've mentioned a couple of times that men aren't as affected by these things. What are men actually affected by? What do you see uh, the men in your practice showing up with? So the same thing. So if you have the gut dysfunction and you have the high stress, it can, uh, so one out of five women are going to be functionally deficient in thyroid within their lifetime, but one out of 10 will be functionally deficient in terms of men being deficient in thyroid. So not as much, but it still does affect them. It just, their metabolically starts to drop a little bit. What happens to men is that their testosterone levels start to drop under greater amounts of stress and greater amounts of inflammation. So we see men now more than ever turning to testosterone replacement therapy in their thirties, which they should never do. And the reason is a doctor says, oh, your testosterone is low. We should get you on TRT. It's really detrimental because their test, their own natural testosterone may never come back. And then they suffer from low mood and depression and uh, prostate issues and, and potentially other cardiovascular issues. So the thing is, men, men can fix those things. They really can. I don't think that men need to be on a, a DHEA supplement, and that's the first place to start, or a testosterone support supplement until their 60s, um, 55 at the very, very earliest, and not synthetic TRT. 
maybe, maybe it's 70, 75, but you should be able to stave it off even in your sixties with natural DHEA and, and, and certain herbs uh, that can be used to boost testosterone. So, you know, that's what we see for men specifically, but men deal with the, just different issues. And uh, a lot of it is low mood as well. And a lot of it is uh, they lose muscle in their arms and legs and they get it around their midsection, their belly, and they end up with prostate inflammation. I mean, 80% of men are going to end up with prostatitis inflammation, of the prostate. So yeah, I mean, men have their own, their own specific <laughs> they issues. They have their own issues. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so can we talk about balance, uh, raising testosterone naturally then? What are the steps for men there? So the best steps to raise testosterone first, look at the gut dysfunction, which is causing a lot of inflammation, poor absorption of nutrients, and then look at stress. Lower cortisol levels if it's elevated. And then what we want to do is we want to start to work on nutrients proven to increase testosterone. So that's vitamin C, that's vitamin D, that's zinc. And then you want to move to the Ayurvedic herbs. The Ayurvedic herbs would be things like ashwagandha that have been clinically proven to lower stress, which in turn raises testosterone, right? So it's not always about, hey, we need to give this person more testosterone. It's like, okay, how do we boost it? And in the short term, maybe 12 weeks uh, for men under the age of, let's say 50, DHEA, small amount, five milligrams twice a day. You don't need to go there first. But what happens is DHEA is kind of a pro-hormone. It's the, it's, the, it's the precursor. So if your body says, hey, we need to make more testosterone, it'll bring it down. And if your body is actually under greater stress, well, the DHEA will be moved over to cortisol. So as we're kind of fixing the process, it, we let your body decide. We don't tell your body what to do. Putting testosterone in your body is telling you what to do. And it may convert over to estrogen that we don't want. Or it may convert over to DHT which means that you're going to lose your hair and you're going to end up with prostate inflammation. We don't want that either. So again, we're, as a, I'm a doctor of naturopathy. I'm not a medical doctor. So what I do is I work with nature. So I say, hey, this is how your body works. Here's what nature gave us. Let's see if we can get your body back into balance using these things. And the other big thing is sleep. So if you're not getting eight hours of sleep, you're not getting enough growth hormone. You're not getting enough of that testosterone boost. So we like to get men to bed a little bit earlier get them eight hours of sleep. That's going to be tremendous. And then three days of resistance training workouts will boost testosterone as well, as long as they're not already stressed, right? Because that's just another stressor. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad we did something for the men in the episode. Felt like, <laughs> I mean, 100%. we have predominantly uh, women listeners, but um, often the women are looking after the men's health as well. So yes, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what we see. We were typically work with like the, the mom or the wife who's like the head of the household, she runs the show. And then she says, you need to be checking this out. And so then eventually they start running their labs or they get on the protocol, which is great because it's better for both people in the relationship uh, to be participating in their, in their health because it's great for each other. 100%. Thank you so much, Stephen. I feel like we covered so much in 45 minutes of power. Uh, <laughs> now, where can we find you? So the, uh, the main website is stephencabral.com. It's just Stephen with a PH. And you'll be able to find the labs there that we recommend for at-home labs. We do ship them to Australia and all over the world. You'll be able to find the functional medicine detox there. It's just a first place to get started. But I have uh, two free items, which is the, my book, The Rain Barrel Effect. You'll find that there. And then also my daily podcast. So the podcast is over 2,000 episodes. So you can literally use a search box to search a topic like Hashimoto's or MS or migraines or whatever it might be. And you'll be able to find shows on that. So it's a good first place for people to learn more about a specific topic. And um, 
I'm on Instagram, so you can reach me there anytime and I'm, I'm happy to help. So thank you so much too for having me on the show. It was, it was a lot of fun. Thanks again, Stephen. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social, on Instagram, at Life or one word, or my personal Instagram, uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life. Uh, and of course, lowtoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a low-tox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low-Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US, about €27, and about £25. You get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lowtoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.